Welcome to this episode of Let's Chat. I'm your host, Chris Revel, coming at you from the Cat Cave in Providence, Rhode Island. Great guest today. We have we have comedian, journalist, writer, and host of the Spent Podcast, Lindsay Goldwork. Lindsay is a past guest, uh, so she, we recorded we recorded a while back, right before Spent, probably right before Spent was actually a podcast. So then, uh, you know, Lindsay had been on the show. I thought she was really cool. I like I found her really funny, and I saw she had a new podcast, so I checked it out. And I just genuinely fell in love with it, and not just because uh, we she was a past guest. I just really fell in love with the show. I love the premise. It's about funny money, uh, so she takes such a great look at such a taboo subject, makes it interesting, and it's it it's it's about like people like you and me, people who aren't like fucking Wall Street investors making billions of dollars. Um, the first episode she had was comedian Mark Norman, and I was like, oh, I love comedians, and it's funny, and it's fascinating, and it's interesting, and it's just such a great podcast. I listen to it basically every single Monday on my drive to work. That This has become the podcast. Lindsay's also a great stand-up comedian. She's a fantastic writer. Uh, I always find all these great stuff she writes, all this wonderful stuff she's always writing online. Uh, she's just really funny. So I was so happy to have her back on. I love, I love, I just love meeting people. I love when we get along and I love when people come back on. Uh, I have like a list of all these things I wanted to ask Lindsay about. We hit record. All of a sudden it was like over an hour. I was like, crap. Uh, we got a lot of great stuff in. I think it's a great line of two people talking about how uh, we're not perfect with our money, but we're just trying. And I think that kind of stuff's kind of important. Uh, we talk about other stuff besides money too, like comedy and all the all the good stuff. What a wonderful guest, and I'm so happy we we're able to record this. Uh, so you should head on over to spendpodcast.com. They have a sponsor called Capital. It's Capital with a Q. If you basically sign up with the, the password or code word spent, you get like 10 bucks put in your account. I use Capital. Uh, it's been helping me out a lot. I've saved, uh, I think, a couple hundred bucks from using it, uh, which is good. Uh, you know, saving, saving money is hard. Uh, Lindsay is on Twitter. Uh, spent has all that stuff. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. They have a Spotify list, which is uh, pretty cool, about songs about money, which I really enjoyed. Lindsay's on Twitter, at Lindsay. Goldwerp, give her a follow. Super funny, I promise. I think you'll follow her on Twitter and find she's one of the funnier people on Twitter. Uh, anyway, for me, I'm on Twitter at Let's Chat Podcast. Uh, there's a Facebook page. As always, we're on the Core Temp Arts Network. And I have an announcement to make. My good friend uh, Nathan slash Bubble Wheat and I have started a new podcast called Sketched Out on TV. You can follow us on Twitter at Sketched Out on TV. We have one episode up right now where we talk about uh, an SNL episode from 16 years ago with uh, Rock, his Superman sketch that we absolutely love. It's not on iTunes yet, but we're going to get all that stuff up and rolling, so it's right in its infancy, so make sure you follow that. And um, shout out to, uh, thanks for Lindsay for coming back on. Let's get to it. Let's Chat with Revel and Friends is part of Court and Parts, a podcast network featuring pop culture, TV, and movie podcasts. Check out our other shows that popped this live, Talking Shondaland, We Got Five, and TV Ate My Brain at courtandparts.com. The opposite of a winner Remember when I used to eat sardines for dinner Peace to raw jeans, Brucey B, Kid Debris Funk, Master Flex, Love, Funk, Star, Ski Thanks for coming back on. I'm, I was so excited because... Uh... I don't know when you were on the show last, and I don't know, because it's always like I record with people, and then it goes up a month later, so I was trying to do the math, but I, I wasn't, I didn't put much work into it, so I don't remember. 
It was a while ago. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was um, around the time when my podcast launched. So I think it was a while back. It, yeah, it was pre-spent. And I think did you mean, <laughs> maybe you were just... No, you were doing stand-up, I know. I yes. think maybe early... I don't, I don't know. Actually, I don't know your life. So you were doing stand-up. That's yep. all I remember. Yep. I was doing stand-up and then I started... I still am. And then I started the podcast uh, spent in April. And now it's October. I can't believe it. Yeah, it's. I think you have one of the few non-comedy music or politics podcasts. Actually, I was actually thinking you're the only podcast. You're, you have the only podcast I listen to that isn't comedy, music, or politics related. Ah, oh, well, thank uh, you. Yeah, and I enjoy. And I'm not a good like faker. Like I'm not like, oh, they were on the show. I got to support them. Like I'll totally like check something out if I like had a guest on. But I just don't stick with something. I just I can't do it unless I just genuinely enjoy it. But, like, I'm legitimately, like, every Monday I listen to Spent on my way to work. I oh, that's so it. nice. It's really good. Well, thank you Which, very much. I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure you've probably gotten that more than once. <laughs> no, people have been – I yeah, people have been very nice. It's been very funny. I've had people uh, reach out to me and uh, – well, I'll tell you the best compliment I've gotten. This Some guy, I think he was a um, a CPA or a financial planner, somewhere in the Midwest, sent me a note on LinkedIn saying that – uh. I, I send a link to your podcast to my most discouraged clients. Oh, that's so awesome. I know. I was like, I'm, so I'm putting that on my on my uh, deck when I look for sponsors. <laughs> oh, that's so great. How did um like spent come to be? Actually, can you explain what it is to people? Because it's... Of course. It's so... It's, it's funny because you take the one topic that nobody wants to talk about and you make it entertaining and like... Someone like me who's like not really good with money and kind of get anxious as hearing about it and usually is discouraged because I'm always like, I don't want people to know how little I make. And then oh, I yeah. hear the people on your show. I'm like, oh, man, I am kicking ass right now. I have a savings account. Oh, yeah. You ain't kidding. No. So uh, so what I wanted Spend to be was sort of a, a smush together of my com- love of comedy and my uh, my journalism background. And I've always been very interested in, in economics and finance. Um, and I... I I realized that all the business podcasts out there, all the money podcasts were all about wealth and winning. Um, there wasn't anything about kind of getting by and surviving, you know, with a sense of humor. So it just sort of came together sort of naturally. So I wanted to interview uh, people with interesting jobs, mostly comedians and artists, um, and talk to them about how they get by and how they make money and how they save money and what frustrates them. And what keeps them from making money and also how they're trying to achieve their goals or things they've overcome. And uh, sometimes I interview, um, you know, I, we talk a certain tax attorney that I speak to on the show once in a while. And he's just really empathetic and hilarious. And he just answers all my dumb questions. And there's also journalists who can explain things to me. Um, people who, you know, can kind of take apart complicated issues and ex- explain it for people who might not, might not understand, you know, like why does this have to be this way? So it's been a nice mix. Uh, we have the one that's coming out on Monday. I'm re- very excited about um, it's a comic. His name is Mike Lemmy, who is a great comic in New York. And he's, he's spending $7,000 of his own money and he doesn't have $7,000 to mount um, a 15 night show of, of a one hour that he's doing. And we just talked about taking a risk and putting your dreams on a credit card and when wow. should, yeah. And like, should you do that? And like, what, why is it so hard? And it, it was, I think that that's, that's very relatable to people, you know, cause we all, when, when we're young or when we're younger, you know, that's uh, the Kevin Smith story, except that's like, 
you only hear the success stories of people yes. who are very wealthy about, well, I took this huge risk and it paid off. Oh, for sure. That's and totally a lot true. Of times, anytime I've ever done anything financially speaking, risk wise, it has not paid off. Like when I've tried stock, uh, not like thousands of dollars by any means, but like little shit. I've never made out. I've never ever made out. Oh, that's it, funny. So. Yeah, no, it's it is funny. People only hear the victory stories. I, that's the thing with me. Like I'm, only, I like stories about people who lose. Everyone else wants a story about people who win. I'm just not that interested, you know, because yeah. most of us you know, have a life of most, mostly losses and a few big victories. And the, and yeah. the way you look yeah. at, you know, it, that's just how normal life is, you know? Um, so yeah, so that's exciting to me. So he's talking to me about, um, how he's going to do these shows, why he chose to, to do this. And, you know, and it is, I think there's a lot that we can relate to and also why he thinks that comics don't ask for money and why it's so hard to ask for money. And, why do people, you know, and I, it just, I think it's, 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 even though it's comedy, it's kind of universal because whether you are an artist or you're a writer or, you know, or in a field where you just don't feel like you're, you get paid what you're worth. Um, yeah. I think it's relatable. Well, yeah, I've worked, I used, I've worked for years in nonprofits and the, like the, uh, which I no longer do, but like the idea of that is like, just hearing like when you talk to like, not you or I mean, cause I, this never happens, but when you talk to like wall street folk, like people who get these raises and perks and like I have a cousin who works for a startup and I'm like such a different atmosphere where it's like people I I had a job where the boss this is one of the many reasons I quit would be constantly say you better not be doing this job for you better not be in it for the money and I'm like in my 20s being like all right listen I'm not like a, a capitalist greedy pig by any means but like I want to go on vacations and have nice dinners and I want to have experiences and I want to have like a nice life like I, I don't think I need to feel guilted into that because I'm asking to make more than like what should be minimum wage I'm with you and it's very hard to it's, you know it's, you know when you don't want to sound ungrateful you don't want to alienate people it's very hard to ask for what you think you're worth and then when you're younger when you're right out of school you know you're like some people are the opposite. They come out of school with no experience and they want everything. And that's no good yeah. either. And so, those are the fucks that always, um, I'm thinking of one person, I hope they're not listening. <laughs> there's one person I'm thinking like they just kind of fail upwards where they're like, oh, I just fell into this like niche position that I'm not qualified for because somebody recommended me and I absolutely, and it's a job people would kill for. And now I have it and I'll just make more money than God, even though I came from a ton of money. It, it just, everyone, my shitty experience this is such a bad view but my thing is it's a, i always feel like it's people who are born into wealth find jobs that pay more money than they deserve and don't well, deserve it well i i think it's true i mean people who there people who are born into money immediately have more advantages even if they're not even if people are equal intelligence because there's you're just more likely to have better schools teachers who pay attention to you you're more likely to have you know, have, have like books in the house, people, you know, there's all kinds of, there's all kinds of things about it. So yeah, yeah. you can, and also you have connections. I mean, we, the reason why people push their not so bright kids to go to the best school so they can make connections, you know? George so Bush, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, if there's a reason <laughs> I mean, why he got gentlemen, see, absolutely. So yeah, I don't yeah. know, but it's, but I think for people like us who are artists who are doing what we love, we feel like you feel like guilty saying, well, I'm already doing what I love. Do I, do I deserve to ask for more? And and, yeah. just, and there's also this feeling of, oh, I'm, I'm not as talented as that person, so who am I to ask? But I always remember there was a guy, it was a comedian, so I used to run a show in my neighborhood, a comedy show in Sunnyside, Queens, and we gave everybody 10 bucks to perform. And the only person who ever asked me for more was this comedian, Nico White, who's great, and he's like 
a big rising star. But he said, can you give me 25? And I was like, I'll see you. And, I, and he was so, he's nice. And so he wasn't a jerk about it. He didn't say, give me 25. He's, he's cute. He goes, could, could you make it 25? And I said, um, I'm like, I'll see what I can do at the end of the show. Cause he was the headliner and he killed it. He killed it. He did such a great job that we ended up having a little bit of money left over and I gave him a little bit more. And, and now, I mean, he, you just have to ask if you ask nicely, what was the worst that can happen? You people say no. Yeah. But my head, it's like, I'll get fired. But no, guess, but that's you, always I, my head. You, I mean, that's the thing too. I mean, like, well, what was the worst I was going to say? What would be? Oh, I'm so sorry. You know, that's the worst I was going to yeah, say. Yeah, it's but hard. Like, it is hard, but you just you just have. But he was so cute about it, and he was very nice, and he would have totally understood. I could tell right away he would have understood. But you know, he you, you just got to be scrappy. You know, you got to you oh, got to yeah. ask, and you know, and just but be cool. You know, but that's more like peer to peer stuff. When you're at a job asking for a raise, it's complicated. No, yeah, no, absolutely. And, um, well, actually, I, um, thing I, I, I like about your show is because, um, money is such a taboo. And I always talked, I've got to meet a lot of really great people on this podcast. Uh, but I always like in my head when you're talking to like, quote unquote, like struggling artists or artists at any level, I'm always just like, how do you make money? Cause like, I'm such, I'm so used to like a week to week or week by weekly paycheck. I don't even know how to live without that. So I don't understand. I always am so confused by the way I talk to musicians or comedians or artists that like that. I'm like, how do you live? Like, it sounds so hard. It is really hard. And I think asking, I think it's what you just said is a really good point. Uh, Maria Bamford is one of my favorite comedians has mm. been writing now about asking people what they make and being more honest about money conversations. She wrote that she was interviewed in New York magazine and she talked about how she was, um, she had a manager who embezzled money from her. And the reason why she, she doesn't, she sort of blames herself I and mean, she shouldn't blame herself, but she does because she was so, had so much shame about money that she just let it, gave it to someone else to handle because she couldn't deal with it. And it yeah, made yeah. her, it made her kind of, I was like, no, like, don't be ashamed. And she was, and no one knows what anybody makes. People can walk around with confidence. You think they're, they're doing great. Um, a lot of comedians have, um, and of course I'm very, I would never reveal who, and I'm very, I'm silent. I'm like the grave. Um, but a lot yeah. of people have even have messaged me and asked for advice, um, which I can't give, but I, I definitely listen <laughs> and, um, and ask me to connect them with, if I know any tax people, any financial planners, and they just tell me how much debt they're in, how they're how freaked out they are. And I never would have known, you know, because there's, there's no, to be in poverty or to be in deep debt, you, it's not like the, the 19th century where you walk around in rags, like everyone looks fine, no. you know, oh, and yeah. we're all eating, we're all eating pretty shitty. Like we're not all eating like a gourmet restaurant, you know, like we're like, I don't hang out with people who, you know, who, who have like truly expensive cocktails. So, so I was surprised, you know, but, um, but I, I just, I just try to be very encouraging and I just say, you're not alone. Everyone is fucked. We just have to unfuck together. <laughs> I know it's, it's funny too because I, I definitely have had friends who I had thought were way or family members who I really kind of thought were more wealthy than they were just because they had really nice cars and they had the best clothes and they had the best everything. And then somewhere down the line, they go bankrupt and it's like it was all a sham. It was all in credit. And uh, the way I grew up, like my, my parents, which I'm thankful for, are very big believers in living with uh underneath your means so like if you could drive a lexus get a toyota uh so i always grew up thinking we were actually more poor than we were and then in the long run that kind of probably helped the reason my parents like owned a house when like my mom got sick and they and like when things happened it was like oh like they put their value in like really logistical things instead of like nice cars and looking good for the neighbors and all that bullshit well i i mean that's 
amazing and it's also really rare. You know, I remember my father, um, my father didn't come from a lot of money and then, but he ended up doing pretty well, you know, as an adult, you know, he went to work for my mother's family, a family business. And, you know, but he still had this memory of what it was like growing up with very little money. And I think, and being impressed with people and then finding out that people, what they had wasn't, what, what they were showing off wasn't really what they had. And my dad once drove me around. It's a very, it's kind of a, a heavy thing to drive around with your, your kid and say this too. But, you know, he's, what he would say, um, when, it, you know, you see that house, that house could be rented. You see that Porsche that could be leased. You never know, <sighs> never be true. impressed, never be impressed by, you know, you don't know how much money they have in the bank. Just don't be impressed by things, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and that made a very big impression on me, you know, that you have to, it's first of all, also the content of one cat, one's character, of course. But if someone, yeah. <laughs> you know, it just doesn't mean a lot. We, we can all dress amazingly and have put on our credit cards. We don't wear our credit card dead on our foreheads. So we, we walk around feeling like we're doing so much worse than everybody else. And really, we're all struggling. No, it's, it's great. It's, uh, that's it, so true. It, it, it's so true of just the nice cars and like that stuff. Like I knew it was, I never even think about that when I see it. Like I don't get impressed by cars at all. Like I hate them. I'm like, fuck them. They're expensive and blah, blah, blah. But it's, I'm God, I've known so many people who've had like in high school or in college, which is beautiful cars. I'm like, Oh, but I own my really shitty car that I paid for. Like I own it outright. Like I don't lease this. Like when you lease, that's just basically burning your money. It's such a waste. Yeah, some people will get bored. They'd rather most people just don't have the money to pay outright. So you know, it's just not an option for some oh, people. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. You know, um, and that's the other thing too. It's like you know, but it, it all it all depends. Like if you exactly like you could lease, um, you know, like a car from like like last year's model of a Toyota, or, or you could you know people make certain. There's a show that I started watching. Um, I don't even know if it's still on. It was like it was like a, a bar rescue. But for your, but for finances, I wish I could remember what it was called. Oh, um, man. so what they did was they found, they took a family, the couple, and they were living in a big house, but it was, they weren't rich. Like, I was, they were like Arizona rich. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, they had a big house. Uh, absolutely. Um, and they had two cars and, you know, and, and Nick, it was this former, like, MMA wrestler and his wife, whatever. And I think together they made about $100,000 a year together. So, um, but they were in tons and tons of debt and she drove a Tesla, which is crazy. Oh my God. And this, so this guy, he's, he's this financial planner guy, you know, he says, you know, he goes in and like, I was impressed by the fact that they really went through it. They put their credit card, like their student loan debt, they, you know, and they said, you know, they, they, he kind of helped them crunch the numbers and said, the only way to get you guys back on track is to get rid of this Tesla. And this wife was like, no. I can't do it. And he was like, well, why? And it, and it was like a thing. Like it's about emotions and money and yep. wanting to impress and feel good. But like, that's not your reality, you know? And it's, what does no. it mean if like, if you have to drive like a Volkswagen Beetle, which is a totally cool car, you know, in my opinion, but like, what does it mean <laughs> when you have to carry something like, like a very expensive bag? Like what is, why do you need that? Like, why is that so important? And it's, it's an emotional like issue and it's an emotional yeah. issue. Yeah. It's not like, it, it doesn't have to be, oh, they're bad or they're selfish. There's some reason why they need to spend things as a, as a crutch. I mean, I do, I spend stuff on, as a crutch. I mean, I admit it. I admit all my financial oh. flaws. Oh yeah, who doesn't? I mean, yeah, God, I'm a sucker for a coffee shop and like delicious foods and events. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> I my money, I spend a lot of my money in Sephora. I have a lipstick problem. I buy like a lipstick a week. Sometimes it's just I don't know. They're all the same color. I don't know why. I just really it's, like. It's like a, maybe it's a woman thing, but I spend a yeah. lot of money on lipstick and it, coffee. That's a that's a much more affordable addiction than Maseratis. Yes. Well, it, 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 <laughs> so it, I guess that's, I guess the idea, like I go loose in the dollar store is like the joke. Cause I'm like, whatever, I'll, I spend 30 bucks and that's it. 
actually craft fairs, those types of things I'm really bad at. It's just very funny to know what your, your, your spending triggers are when you're stressed or you're depressed. You know, I yeah. tend to, you know, you know, it's very funny. Like some people, um, but it's not the little things. Like I used to be like, oh, I buy too many, I waste money on too many little things. But really what's killing your budget isn't the cup of coffee or the comic book or even though it seems like you're always like pissing away your money, it's usually one, one big thing. It's either like your car payment mm-hmm. or, or your, your rent is too high or your mortgage is too high. It's usually something larger than that. So people sweat, people say, um, there's a big backlash against the whole, um, if you stop drinking your morning coffee, you'll save, you know, $4, $4 a day, $4 time, blah, blah, blah. And there's this something like, no, that's not your, your, your morning coffee isn't making you poor, you know? Yeah. And if you don't have your morning coffee, you're going to fuck up at your job and you're going to lose your job. Like have your coffee, <laughs> like have and your coffee and make a larger lifestyle change. And I think that's important for people too, not to like freak out about the things they need to get them through life, but to be like, Hey, I don't need to drive this particular car. I don't need to live. Maybe I need a roommate for now maybe i need to like airbnb out of room and my you know sometimes you have to make like a bigger to move the needle you know it's not your coffee <laughs> oh i've 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 at least worked two to three jobs since i was like 18 yeah like for sure always like I, I have a second job right now which is uh pretty clutch i love it because it's super easy and they pay me overtime well that's, but great. that's a rare situation that i'm very happy about but oh man i've I worked at Starbucks for four years and I probably needed that job for six months for health insurance and then could have quit and held on to it for another like three and a half years because it was just extra income and, and kind of fun to work at. Yeah. I mean, there's, it's, you know, for comedians, I feel, I feel bad because, you know, because they're already working so hard. Like they already have a day job and then they're, they can't have a night job because their night job is comedy. It's right. their dream. And you hopefully know? it pays. And hopefully it pays. So it's challenging and I see, um, I see how hard they work and how hard they look for work. And I'm always trying to pass on job opportunities when I can, you know, whenever I find them, if I see anything that allows you to work remotely, I always pass it on to my friends. Um, Cause if they can work even like one weekend a month and they could like make 300 bucks, like that putting that towards savings every month, cause like or putting that into like retirement, whatever it's, it's, it's better. It's, it's, it's good. And it's a good thing, you know, but a lot of people, they, they're people owe so much money and they don't know how to pay off their debt. They don't know where to begin. And there are some people out there who are financial planners who aren't trying to sell you anything. They just want to help you. They want to give you advice and give you a plan. Mm. Um, there's some people who can help you figure out how to pay off your debt and how to start saving and tell you what to cut out. You know, there's people out there who can help you that don't want to sell you anything. Um, so people just shouldn't feel like they're they're alone because they're not. We're, we're, we all have debt. It's just it's you know on the last episode I did. Um, a week ago, I spoke to this guy from Student Loan Hero, which is a company that helps people pay off their student loans. And he just said it's the new normal to have tens yeah. of thousand dollars of student loan debt. And that's, I mean, it's true, but it's also astonishing to me that, that, that people are just going to be carrying around that load. And he just said, you just have to just pay off the minimum and just keep moving. Like you're yeah. not expected to pay it off by the time you're, you're 30. Just keep paying it. Just keep paying and and don't worry about it. Just pay it and keep it. It's not like it's not like your credit card where the interest is accruing and accruing and accruing. Unless you have private loans, that's a whole other thing. But it was just, oh, yeah. <laughs> but it's very. But he was giving advice on like how to, you know, that you should call if you have private loans. The interest is too high. Just keep calling them until they lower your rate. Just keep bothering them. You know, no one tells you these things. You need to like, you know, like I, I like talking about money. I, I mean, I have my own issues with it, but I, I'm not afraid. I think we all have to tell each other what we what we make and how much things cost. Um, I think if you come from money, people are embarrassed to say that their family has helped them. Um, I don't think mm-hmm. you should be embarrassed. I think you're, you're lucky. 
and it's okay to be lucky. I don't think people should pretend to be poor just so they fit in. Oh, I hate that. Yeah. yeah. No, you're, um, I, I mean, my parents, you know, they helped me through college. They helped me with graduate school. They're I oh, yeah, yeah, very, very lucky that it was, education was very important to them, but that, but I wasn't, but once I was out of school, I was working like right away. So yeah. it wasn't, you know, and I had a job in high school, but the, the point is like, don't just be honest. If someone says like, how do you, there's a difference between like how much do you make and how much do you pay for that? Like sometimes it's a little nosy, but at the same time, if it's with friends, you you should share, you know, like if someone walked up to you and they were like, how much you pay for your car? You'd be like, on your business, right? It's like, how old are you? You know? Um, But if someone, if a good friend was like, Hey, like not for nothing, but can I ask what you make doing that? Like tell them, you know, like just tell them because, um, so in, uh, Maria Bamford told this great story in this same art, um, article in New York Magazine about how everyone has a podcast, right? So, and all the comedians have podcasts. So she's probably, she's agonizing, should I have a podcast? You know, like, and she talked to Jackie Cashian um, and asked, look, can I just ask you a question? How much do you make? And Jackie Cashian, who I think hosts it with someone else, says, I make about $400 a month. And Marie Pepper was like, what? Like, that's it? Like, the way people carry on about their podcasts, you think they were like raking in millions, but they're not. It's just another... Yeah. way of reaching an audience it's not a money maker but she no. was so shocked because she thought that everyone was making a killing on these podcasts <laughs> you know but no one is unless you have like a ton of sponsors unless you're keeping all the revenue i mean i mean even look at Marin. i mean he didn't he had to do the tv show and stand up while doing one of the arguably one of the more popular comedy podcasts yeah um, i mean I, I don't know his financial situation but you know I know he's a comedian first, but he you know, he wasn't making his living off of podcasting. No, Obama's been on it. Obama, yeah, it's they, yeah, it's crazy. Um, but you would think, by the way, everyone talks about it because they're so in the zeitgeist that everyone is making like five thousand dollars an episode. I am losing twenty bucks a month, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> so uh, you mentioned something about people's rent being too high, and you live in New York, but you don't live in the cool part of New York. I mean, I think Queens is very cool, personally. But, uh, it's getting think, cool. It's getting too cool. I, yeah. I, I wish it would. I wish it would not be as cool. I mean, we well, own our, we bought our place. We own our place. We nice. Live in, so, um, and it's pretty. I wouldn't. I don't think it's a very cool. Well, it's full of a lot of old people, but it works for us. <laughs> it yeah. works for us. Well, so, like, I read some article. I forget. I'm I'm the worst because I read all these great articles online, uh, and then um, don't remember where I read them from, which is kind of probably the opposite of the intent of the article. But it was about how Brooklyn is now the most uh, unexpen- unaffordable place to live in the United States. And I just know so- personally and just from listening to shows and stuff, so many quote-unquote struggling artists who live in Brooklyn. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing if you can't afford – if you're a struggling artist, why would you live in the most expensive part of New York? And that's my logical brain but i'm sure there's better reasons well i want to ask you about that yeah for sure so if i was young i mean not that i'm I'm ancient you know but as a young if i I was in my 20s and i was just moving to new york i think now i could live in astoria queens because now there's enough young people there but you Mm -hmm. you don't want to be isolated i mean people would rather live people would rather live with a bunch of roommates as they do in brooklyn than be amongst their friends and there's peers and the social situation i mean i as a young person i totally get it i'd rather have fun and save money and live with a bunch of roommates than live yeah, by, by myself. But I, I'm not talking about fresh out of college people. I, I'm thinking of a couple of people I know specifically like late twenties and they're paying X amount to live in Brooklyn, but why they're also trying to give it a go at their dream. It's just like, it just yeah. to me, it just seems so illogical. I'm like, you live in Jersey and commute. Yeah. I, I just think people want it, it all. People want yeah, it no, all. I agree. Yeah, people and, people, 
And Queens is not as cheap as it used to be. I mean, the neighborhoods no. where people want to be moving to, which is Sunnyside, which is where I live. I live a little further out than Sunnyside, but Sunnyside, Woodside, and Astoria, Long Island City, they're not as cheap as they used to be. So it's only now that people, and it's just not as hip. It's still a, it's still a schlep to Brooklyn. Like no one's schlepping yeah. out to Queens for anything. The only reason people come to Queens at all is because there, there are two comedy clubs in Long Island City. There's the, and there's no comedy clubs in Brooklyn, which is very interesting. Um, really? I don't think so. Unless I'm missing something. Is it more like alt comedy scene, like the Bell House and those types of things? Yeah, there, oh, there's a lot of great comedy spaces in Brooklyn, but there's no club. So in, in Queens, uh, yeah. in Long Island City, well, we have three actually. Oh my God. We have, uh, in Long Island City, there's the Standing Room, which is a great little club. Um, there's Peak in the Cave, which is a great little performance space oh, with yeah, a strong bar. And there's also. Who works there. Say again, I'm so sorry. I think I know someone who, I think one of my, I think I know someone who works there. I always forget. She either works there or something. In Q, uh, I think she works at Creek in the Cave. Is that Queens? Yes, and then there's also yeah, yeah, yeah. and there's also yeah. QED in Astoria. That's uh, my my friend's ex girlfriend. Uh, as of recent, so we were pretty close up until semi recently. I uh, was oh, working there for a while with like Christian Finnegan and all those people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so she was just like a waitress or something. Oh sure, I, w- I wonder who it is. I bet I know. Him. But yeah, so there's there's actually a there's more of a comedy scene happening in Queens right now, and a lot of the comedians live in Queens because it's cheap. But a lot of younger people, they want to be where it's like a little more hip, you know, like yeah. I, I, I get it. Um, as an adult, it, it was and it was not feasible for Tim and I to stay in Brooklyn, um, at, you know, in 2000 and oh God, like 2008. We were already like over it. Like we didn't want to pay a certain amount of money in rent. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we just we were priced out, you know, and I, I don't know how couples do it. I, I, don't, I literally don't know. Um, I don't know how my friends with families do it. I don't know. I, I I cannot imagine how you can afford to have children and get childcare, and yet all my friends are doing it, and they all seem to be hanging in there. And or all that. I don't have kids, but yeah, yeah, yeah I, I or, not, or not, or <laughs> or they're eating like, or or they're thrifty in some other way. This this one, yeah. the half of it is like it's nobody's business, but it's also you should feel free to share. You know what I'm saying? Like in my yes. mind, like I would never ask someone like, "How are you doing that? How can you afford that?" Because it's none of my business, you know. But if no. but if I but but if you ask them just to be nosy, it's no it's nobody's business. But if I was also a mom and I see someone, I I would be like, hey, like help a friend out. Like how are you doing it? You know, and then you, yeah. you should feel free to share. But just to be nosy, like oh my god, like you're like a teacher and your husband's like a like a like a like a writer. Like how are you doing that? But it's like yeah. that, that's also Absolutely. nobody's business because also they could be getting help from people's families help them more than people think. That's yes. the other thing too because some grandparents are like, you know, they. They're happy to help, which is a blessing. So, but they don't want to advertise that, you know. Like, so it's just everyone is just sort no, of. It's it's funny you say that because I'm totally one of those people. Like my my dad's mom was very helpful, and that's how I got to get out of college without student loans, and I'm very grateful for that. Absolutely, so, Mike. Um, it, it feels weird to say that out loud because it's always like when people talk about loans, I get like weird. I'm like, I can't relate to you. I'm really sorry, but I'm like one of the privileged ones it's a weird well, word to use yeah i mean yeah it is well, like i'm very well, happy to not have it's loans. a blessing no it's like a blessing you know it totally like, is yeah no and it's like it's 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 wonderful you know and like, like my grandmother um who i loved loved so much she passed away and she left all of her grandchildren a certain amount of money like a, a chunk of money mm. and um and even though i was her favorite she gave everybody the same amount Duh. but um but i took that money and i and i just i just never touched it i just like threw it in the bank and i just i knew what i wanted to put it toward a down payment on a home see that's um, another uh, funny thing is because i i think when you don't have money like like 
you think people who have money have it made. But what I love about listening to Spanish is people uh, – I'm sorry I'm bad at remembering your name. But you had a guest who made all that money in Florida. One of my favorite episodes of Spend, by the way, and just fucking blew all of it. And it made me feel so good. I was like, oh, because in my head I'm like, well, if someone gave me $300,000, I would save it. But I was like, fuck that. I got in some – small amounts of cash when I was younger and I fucking went on a trip to New York City or went to a concert and went out to eat or just stupid shit. Well, you know, it's very funny. You know, th- there was some argument people were talking about, well, what is, should you spend your money on an object or on an, on an experience? You know, and people will say, oh, don't spend your money on like shoes, spend your money on a trip. You know, you can never, never forget the memories of a trip. So sometimes blowing your money on, I wouldn't say that doing it wouldn't stop blowing the money if you took and had an adventure, especially oh, yeah. when I you're young. You yeah, I, 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 if anything, I regret deeply not being more adventurous, more oh, yeah, uh, risk taking in my twenties. Um, I'm taking all my risks now, <laughs> which is, uh, but um, yeah, I don't know. But but the thing is, like, you just sort of. It was very funny. I went to a couple's house um, in Brooklyn, and they own a house in a very weird. It was kind of a weird street and kind of a strange house. And, and, I, and they're both, you know, kind of professional creatives. And I was, I was, I was like, I was like, how did you, and we were kind of dancing around it because we were kind of curious, kind of curious. And they said, well, you probably want to know how we were able to afford it. And we were like, oh, okay. And they said both of our, they said they both had deaths in the family and they both inherited like a certain oh. chunk of money and they use that money for a home. And that's what people do when people, Oh, yeah. Die. You know, I mean, that's like the people in, I mean, that's why people always say, like, I'll get insurance, you know, because the people pass away. That's how they're able to pay off debts. I, I have a few friends whose grandparents passed away. They inherit a little bit of money and that's what they used to pay off their student loans. I mean, that's, it's very common, you know, because people oh, just yeah, don't yeah. walk around like grandma died. Like I just paid off my loans. People just don't talk about it, you know? Oh, no. I, I also kind of think like, uh, companies kind of use that to their advantage to underpay you. Cause like I've, I, you could have work for a place and if you don't know how much you're like, you're not supposed to know what your coworkers are making, but what if you work there longer, but they negotiated better than you, and they're making more money than you, but you're not supposed to know that because you might ask for money, and uh, and and that stuff happens all the time, all like the time, I, all the time. It, it's 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 especially I, I from like uh, I think that's very common, like because women aren't raised like ask for money. I try, uh, that's not a new statement by any means. Uh, so it's just it's it's interesting how almost they kind of use like don't the shame of money is a way to almost keep you is to suppress you in a way. Absolutely, I didn't know. And now I could totally tell someone how to go in and like begin a job, ask for more money, and then if they say no, how to kind of come back. Like I know all that now. I didn't know anything about that. I didn't know. I knew nothing when I was younger and first starting in the workplace. You know, I didn't I wouldn't have had the confidence to ask. I wouldn't have known when to ask. I wouldn't have known how to ask. This is all training that they need to give us when we're younger, you know, and yeah. none of us have it. And a lot of women are just, will just take, say yes. To the, a lot of people will say yes to the first offer, you know. Oh, um, I've said yes to every offer because I'm terrified. Of, I'm usually in a scenario where I hate the job I have. I need right. to get out of there and I take the first thing that comes my way. And, or, you know, like I've never... Not more recently, I've had some negotiation tactic, but I had to read about it and learn about it. Cause I had no idea what to do. Yeah, you have to do it because I mean, it just. It, but it, but if you can back it up, like I was, I had did a project. I'll tell you. I mean, she's not going to listen to this. I did a project uh, with Market Watch, which is uh, this. It's a news organization that's run by Dow Jones. Uh, we did a cool thing. We did a, a web series um, that we we did sort of quickly, and it was, um, we shot a bunch of comedians, and we had them talking about money, and just very much like spent talking about all the ways they're terrible oh, yeah. with money, and it came out really great, but the budget they gave me was so was so low, mm-hmm. and I said, so I, I, 
I, and I also knew the editor who was on it. I know her from a free previous job and I wrote her this email and I was like, listen, like, I'm not the old Lindsay that you used to know all those years ago. I'm like a big girl now. Like I have been, yeah. like, like me impressive now. I said, you know, you have to give me more money. Like, this is like crazy. And then she wrote back, she's like, and she wrote something like, I'm very proud of you. No. And I was like, God damn it. You know? Yeah. But, <laughs> but you she, did it. You but know? I did it. And she didn't lose respect for me. She probably didn't even register. She probably didn't. I don't know what it was, but I had to ask why I would have been insane. And in the end, I kind of got like a sense of her. She got a sense of me that I was like not to be fucked with. And also that she is not to be fucked with. And we both kind of got to know each other a little bit better, but no one, as long as you ask for it in a nice dot dick way, people would only respect you. And if it's not a way that's like, I deserve it for like, just because, you know, if you say like, I deserve a raise because I, I, I did growth and I, I've done this much work, I've done this much growth, I've brought this many changes, I just feel like, and you present it that way, it's hard to argue if you say like, oh, well, like Cindy's making more and she sucks, then they're just, that's not, the, you know, <laughs> but no one tells you that. Like I used to, that's how I used to negotiate. I'd be like, well, you heard that John's getting, like I used to walk in and say, I didn't know. That's not, oh and, God, and so I was funny. once offered a job for $62,000. Um, an overnight shift shift job at ABC, which I ended up taking. Um, and they offered uh, a dude, it was a friend of mine, uh, I think 15, it was a $12,000. And, and he told me, he was like, whoa, like they offered me a lot more. So I went back to HR. I'm like, not for nothing, but like, why are you offering so little? And she got, she was like, this is a bit, she, this is a very like unsettling conversation we're having. And I'm like, what? I just, like, it was so like we've broken this rule about talking about salary, which is so ridiculous. This is very competitive. Is it picked a specific person me i don't know but then she said but then i said well he has more experience than you and i'm like it's the same job like what does it matter like we're all going to be like it's to run the homepage at abc yeah. like and and it turned out that i was horribly lowballed for that job yeah and and Probably i why well, you got it <laughs> oh my god well i was an idiot i i, I mean every job i've had has been worthwhile because i've met wonderful people and but yeah, that was yeah. that was a situation where if, if if they're if you're unhappy with with certain things up front you're gonna and you if you really start off feeling unhappy that you've been screwed over your job isn't gonna get any better well it's so one thing i think is funny you just said how much it was and i'm like well that sounds like a lot of money but that's new york sixty-two thousand, sixty-two thousand in like arizona north carolina rhode island is way different like that a lot here it was but. it was a lot of money at the time for me it was like the it was the most i had made at the time um but i knew what they had offered my friend first yeah yeah so it's i was how that so changes I was, from where you live though like yeah i have a friend who like, like my friend lives in brooklyn and like he told me how much he made and i was like oh my god and then i saw he put his place and he lived in a shoebox because like it almost it's just like i forgot how much he said he made and, and it was deservingly so but it's just the the standard of living in places is just so different. Like, it's yeah, I mean, sixty-two thousand dollars before taxes sounded like. I mean, it was a good job. I, I, I saved money at that, that oh, job. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, to, I, I mean, it's a little bit, but it's it. Yeah, but it was. You know, I also it was miserable. I worked overnights. I worked oh, I've from done that four. Sucks. Yeah, I mean, it was a life-sucking, nightmarish job, and and yeah. it, it and that's why it should have paid more because I I went it ruined and, your entire life. It ruined yeah, my that. life. It ruined my that. life. But um. I'm, Ugh, the worst hours I've done it. I did that for a year for like 11 something an hour and it was hell. Well, if you, the thing that people need to know is that if you're at a job where you're doing a really good job, but they treat you like you're lucky to be there, really think about who's lucky to have who. And I think that sounds, you know, a, a lot of people who work in, in the media, they, they, they make you feel like you're replaceable. 
you know, and, mm. and, and if you are replaceable, then you're not doing the kind of work you deserve to be doing. And if you, and if you are specialized and they still treat you like you're replaceable, you have to leave. It's uh, from, I remember last time we talked, like, God, your work environment, because like, I never worked in media, it sounded horrible. Like, just like legitimately like yeah. borderline abusive. Yeah, it was. It was very abusive. It was, it just, it was, it, the last, that. the last 15 years in, in newspaper media and TV media, there's just been so, there's, there's, there's been layoffs. There just been nothing but layoffs, downsizing. Everyone's scrambling to, you know, to make new plans. It's not very pleasant. And everyone wants their glamour jobs. People want these jobs. There's always someone else who wants it. And there's mm-hmm. people who, and also these become, and the salaries are, are so shitty that you have to have money to be able to afford these low paying jobs, which is also oh. why there's lesser and less diversity in, yep. in, in newsrooms because if people who come from different parts of the country, um, you know, they're not going to be able to just, just move to New York and take this low paying job, you know, oh, like, yeah, people who like come from like rural Arkansas or something who would be fantastic reporters who have a totally different point of view, you know, they, they're going to go get like a job at like Wall Street, <laughs> you know, like, no. so, so these jobs, he's like thinking, that's why I think a lot of the election coverage is, I, 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 there's something to be said for having like a different points of view in the newsroom. And I think that that's why it's well, just anywhere. I totally agree with you. It's mostly moneyed, overly educated. I'm not saying that they're liberal elites. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that sometimes you kind of wonder, like, when have you met anybody outside of the people that you know from college? Like, do you know any people that live below the poverty line? Do you know anyone? Uh, and the I answer do. is I know no. several. <laughs> well, you do, but I'm talking to some of these but, people yeah, in the yeah. newsroom Those who people, are like, yeah, yeah. I remember I once went to a party. Um, it was a baby shower for a friend of mine who worked in the New York Times, and there were these editors there. And I told them where I lived and I said, lived in Queens. Like, oh, Queens. And I said, well, where are you working? And I said, well, I'm working in the Queens Bureau of, of the Daily News. And I said, the Daily News has a Queens Bureau? And they said, like, like, they said, like a Sri Lanka Bureau. Like they were so in this, like ivory, t- they were so clueless about like mm-hmm. other parts of the city other than like Manhattan and maybe Brooklyn Heights. It was just so strange to me. Like people have no idea about the city they live in except for this little rarefied area and the stuff that they cover. So, um, yeah, so in, in a lot so of ways, accurate. so these glamour jobs, they either go to people who can afford it already, or some people just are amazing. They just show up and they make no money and they live with a lot of roommates and they have a second job. They just don't let you know, you know, some people, there yeah. was a woman I met, I used to work at Glamour. She was a accessories editor and she always looked so fabulous. And I said to her, and those, the, the, the it was an accessories like assistant editor or editorial assistant. So she was probably making, I don't even know, like $26,000 a year. And she always looked so great. And I was I'm like, I have to ask you, I said to her, how, how do you do it? Because I knew that she commuted from far and different Queens. I'm like, how do you do it? And she just said like, she's like, girl, I like do this. She just had this list of the way she saved on things. She said she didn't buy clothes. She only bought accessories. Like she did this. She gamed it every which way to make it look so effortless. That's amazing. That's a talent. It, it is a talent. And that's like, I, I think there's something... There's something, but that's rare. But that a lot of the people she worked with were just, you know, in were, debt. were in debt or they they were, you know, they, they had money and they always wanted to work in magazines and they were able to kind of, through family support, they were able to, to handle a low paying job for the first few years until they got promoted. But some people just, you know, some people have to work twice as hard at, at the same job that people are not working as hard just to keep oh, people yeah, afloat. Yeah. Absolutely. But we don't, but we don't talk about that because people are embarrassed. People don't want to feel like, you know, they don't want to say, Hey, I'm working two jobs because no one wants to hear that. You know, 
because that makes you feel look like you're if you were to tell if you were in like fashion you're like oh i work another job people would be like oh like ugh. like you want to look like you're fabulous and effortless yeah it's like you bartend I'm like yeah well, i mean i don't but yeah no absolutely yeah. Uh, so how has the transition gone from uh so now that you're like like if you so if you're at a party like what would you tell someone you do for a living so you're like a freelance journalist comedian podcaster you know, I don't it's, know if it's a job but it's, i don't it's, know it's, you know it's i've been having trouble answering that question um because I, I still freelance, right? Um, you know, I, I make money with my podcast. I have a sponsor, so that's nice. Um, I mean, not, you know, not enough to live, but I make some money. So that's I just, awesome. I just you say, it, right? you did it so right, by the way, when I was like, well, we'll, we'll see how long like it lasts. That. We'll see how long it lasts. I got very yeah. lucky. I got very lucky that I found someone who was, uh, you know, there, it's a great app and it, it's capital. Yeah, capital. actually, I, I don't know if I told, I'm, I, talk about sometimes online but i've been using it because of the show and it's been very very helpful that's excellent i know you can save all save must save your change you can save the money for your lips and fees oh that'd be smart yeah i just did the like the the rule that like one dollar one week and then like where you get the thousand whatever at the end of the year that's Um, great yeah yeah. i i was doing that um i'm doing that right now to save for a vacation that's the that's my i think the best rule because um it's not that much it's not that much and i'm gonna actually throw um I'm going to throw a Christmas a holiday party and I'm going to see if Capital, it's Capital with a Q, I'm going to see if Capital will co-host it with me and we're going to, pro- maybe we can promote this 52 week rule. So with the theme being, if you start saving this Christmas by next Christmas, you'll have all your Christmas presents and your plane for a home paper. Yeah. It's um, the, the thing yeah. I love about it. It's like saving money. I don't know I have because it just comes out before I get a chance to blow it. Yeah, it's um, a small. It's, it's it's a small amount. I don't even notice it. I mean, I, obviously I do. I keep track of my finances a, a little, but but uh, like enough where I'm like, oh, a dollar, eighteen dollars, cool. Yeah, it's that, just it's, it's just it just goes. Um, yeah, I mean, I got very lucky that they they're they're based in Stockholm. I I did a lot of work, good work for them. They they took a, a they just. They are just very kind to me. They, they really had a nice invest. They wanted well, you have to. have a good idea yeah. too. Like, I had a good idea. It was in line. They, they, it was in line with what they wanted to do, but they also had faith in me and my idea. Mm-hmm. I'm not a famous person, you know, yet, but, uh, they, they didn't, they could have put their money in other places, but I've yeah. been working especially hard to make it real, to make it big because I want them to get exposure too, because I, anyone who believes in me, I will work twice as hard to, oh. to prove them right. So the, the opposite effect of media. Right, I know. Well, so what I'm hoping to do um, is sort of do something sort of similar as work with other brands who are trying to appeal to people our age, you know, I guess, you know, people who, you know, who um, kind of different banking and finance stuff are trying to work with a more transparent model and kind of help people with certain financial stuff, trying to work with them too, and try to help them with their messaging to, you know, to get their work. Like there's a company that I'm, I'm, I'm hopefully going to work with um, called uh, Policy Genius. It's an online insurance marketplace, and they're getting into health insurance. So to make it very easy for people to sign up for whatever insurance they want, instead mm-hmm. of going through all these different sites, because it's, it's even a nightmare. like um, the health source. Yeah, yeah. So I do, do that for work a lot. It's fucking hard. It's really hard, and they they've worked so hard to make it very transparent, to make it very easy, and everything's on one page, and you can buy it through the site. And having been through purchasing Obamacare for myself and mm-hmm. purchasing healthcare, it is so frustrating. It is so irritating. It is so over everyone's head on purpose, so that you don't make the right decision. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a there's one healthcare company that it was it was for um it was some freelancers insurance and it was very inexpensive and my friend was going to sign up for it. I'm like, well, if it's that inexpensive, there's something wrong with it. And so we looked and the answer was the hospitals were terrible. Like if you break oh, your leg, yeah. you're going to end up at like the hospital where everyone 
drops dead on the waiting room floor. <laughs> and you just have to know the questions to ask. You have to know. And this, so, so this site, I, I think what they're doing is very important because I think if people need to know what they're getting and know what they're paying for. Um, so I'm going to hope, I'm hoping to maybe work with them, put on some like show, storytelling or comedy events with them to get people talking about health stuff and you know, laugh about all the disgusting injuries and then hopefully get people to sign up. Because people who don't have health insurance are often in back, they think they can't afford it. But if you can't afford it, you might be qualified for Medicaid. Mm-hmm. And and if you have Medicaid, then you have very good health insurance suddenly. And that means you can go for all your checkups. You can be in a place in your life where you can take care of a lot of stuff. So I think, guarantee yeah. if you don't have enough income at all, you or no income, or if you can't afford insurance, you should automatically be able to get Medicare, Medicaid. Yes. Or Medicaid. Yeah, yeah. I, but you have but you have to like sit down and number. sign up. You got to do it. You know, otherwise yeah, it's you, hard. And that's hard too. And well, slow. But I'll hold you. But I'll hold your hand. I tell everybody, I'm like, I'll yeah. hold your hand through it. You know, like you got to do it. I mean, just it's if you have if you fall down and you know, I'm not saying everyone you're going to get cancer. I'm just saying if you let's say you just trip and you just need stitches in your head. I mean, that's because that's three grand that you're going to have to pay in yeah, the hospital. Absolutely. Like, you shouldn't have to pay that. You know, you get strep throat, you get the flu. There's like, if you want you need to get like, if you're a woman, get your checkups. Like people complain about paying their health insurance premiums because they're really high. And I totally mm-hmm. understand that. But you just have to have someone guide you through which plan is right for you. If you're a young, mostly healthy person, you don't need a super expensive plan. You just need something that will, that will help you if you get hit by that bus and make sure you get your annual checkups and make sure that you're covered in case the shit hits the fan. And that those plans are not so bad. They're not as unaffordable as they could be. Um, then again, I'm in New York, um, other States, it's much, much worse. And so do you think uh, the stand up com- being the stand up comedian that you are has helped like build up your ho- your hosting chops? Um you know that's a really funny question. Uh I I uh there's such different skill sets. I'm actually trying to change a lot of my stand up to be more kind of money oriented because I found I was finding and just write new jokes uh cuz I was finding the transition between you know, I try to listen a lot on my podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I like to interview, but I'm much more interested in listening. And then being on stage and just talking suddenly feels very strange. So I'm trying to find as much continuity between the stuff I'm interested in and the stuff I'm talking about on stage. Because I spent all these these few years, you know, honing this, this these 15 minutes of material. But I don't really feel very excited about it anymore. I'm much mm-hmm. more excited about, like, I don't know, the stuff I'm talking about with you right now about, like, why... Why are we so fucked? Why are we so screwed over? Why are we afraid to talk about things? Like, well, like that's much more exciting to me. But um, as much as I love stand up and, and I love it, I love it forever. I um, I don't know. I, I just uh, I just want to live a funny life. If you know, I doesn't have to necessarily be stand up. I just want to work like work and talk to funny people all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of stand ups like make money on the side, like hosting events and and stuff yes. like that. Like that's yes. a, a side gig. Like I, I love the Nerdist podcast, and I know that's like Chris Hardwick's like skill set is essentially oh, yeah. hosting, or uh, who is it? Um, I I had a gentleman on here named Stephen Smith who used to host a show on Fuse, and like he's not a comedian, but that's like his job is like a host. I was like, oh, just that's being, such a hard skill set. Just being affable, you know, being a good host, like hosting a show. Like I've hosted some comedy shows, and people have said I was a good host because I am very happy not being the best person on the lineup i'm very happy <laughs> is that number one well yeah i'm just happy to be there which is which is most hosts would rather be have doing a set mm-hmm. i like hosting i like I, I like being the glue the you know i like keeping things moving like i'm much i'm not as yeah. i'm not a selfish person and i'm not saying comedians are selfish but like i i I'm, i can i'd rather do less and make the show look good 
um, and then be invited back, you know. Um, but there's also something very exciting about the. I, w- I once hosted a show where everyone on the show was so good, and to be part of it was, I mean, it was so exciting. And also, I am very affable and I'm very cheerful, and I I don't bring the room down. As a host, all you have to do is just kind of be like, kind of just okay, and like when you come back on stage, people are all like, oh, you know, um, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's kind of a great gig. I, people don't like it because they have to stick around for the entire show, you know, but I, I think it's fine. I don't know. I should probably do more hosting. I think it'd be better. For, also, it helps to be more spontaneous. You do a bit of crowd work, which is pretty good for me. Um, you're inspiring me. I'm going to try to take on more, more host work. That's what we're here for. But like, I mean, you host the podcast, which I think I know they're separate skill sets, but they must be intertwined in some facet. I mean, I, as I say this, I've never done stand up, and I'm terrified of it. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the 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 podcast, you know, it's it's not it's not a it's it's a funny thing. Um, it's not the money podcast because money it's, it's it's too funny for a money podcast, and it's too serious for a comedy podcast so yeah i think it, that's it, why i like it because it's right in the middle it's like, sort of in the middle so people who are going to listen so I, I got the only negative review i've gotten on itunes was uh it wasn't even that negative it was like funny interviews but there's but but no one gives any actionable advice you know which is which is true no one gives any actionable advice because no one's an expert except for like some of the people tax I guy, yeah <laughs> so, right, so the tax guy the student loan guy um so that's challenging you know, for me, because I just, I'm, I don't, I'm not on as an expert. And I, and I also don't, not everything is funny. I mean, we could talk about heavy things in a lighthearted way, but that's not the mm-hmm. same as, as comedy. You know, like I'd rather, selling a, selling a story, telling a story is not the same thing as telling a bunch of jokes. You have to like, and, and I'm an interviewer. I just ask, I like to ask the questions and guide the conversation. And that's also something that I really love doing. And you know, that's why I, I do much better when somebody is across the table from me because I could be because you can see faces. And, oh, yeah, know, it's way better. Um, I don't get as nervous. Uh, I don't know. I just I just love talking to people. I love people, you know, like yeah, I, yeah. I like I like I hate humanity, but I love people, you know. I, I think yeah. People, yeah. Yeah. You know, I think people are very interesting. They know that it's always something. Ninety nine percent of the time I find sometimes there's not there's always something going on that's that surprises you. And even if they're a terrible person, then there's a new terrible thing. <laughs> At least it's something new. You know, I've never once met someone who I didn't talk to to say something to me that I was like, huh, like, well, that's wasn't, I didn't think they were going to say that. And those are these moments I live for because it gives you faith that, you know, it's not, I don't know, that not everyone not is all terrible. Doomed. Well, we are doomed, but, but, <laughs> but, uh, it's just not so terrible. People think people are, everyone's the worst, but it's yeah. just not, it's just not. People aren't. People put up a front and they're shy or they're introverts, you know. I've had people, this one comic has always been so rude to me and it turned out that he's just like, just really, he's only comfortable on stage. He's really just mm-hmm. a disaster talking to people. And I, yeah. just, I mean, I, I find that so strange, but I believe him. And I, I also don't yeah. get offended very easily. That's also another one of my gifts. Yeah. I really, it's, it takes so much to to really bother me. No safe spaces here for us. No, I just don't care. I mean, I care. If I, if I love you, I care. But people say, you know, they say something and they're like, oh, no offense. I'm like, I don't care. You know, like, I just... Yeah. yeah. It, it takes thick skin sometimes. It's, yeah, you you need it. You can't get hung up on every little insult. That's the other key to life. Yeah. Oh, God, no. And it, it's, it's funny, especially, like, comedy clubs are just... Um, like like stereotypical clubs are I, I I fucking hate them. Like I just don't go. Like I'm such a fan of like a small room or a small theater. Um, like so my friends, 
had her birthday and so she wanted to go to the comedy connection for her birthday so we all went and this is like in east providence which is like a small blue collar town right up one like a stone throw across from providence and it's like it's the guys the, the guy got up on there and he was like the most stereotypical 80s comedy 80s comic talking about how much he likes homosexual dudes and he could be one but not for all that ass fucking like that kind of comedy and i'm like so i wasn't getting a i was like all right this is just i i was justifying it i'm like well i I think he used like the word faggot a few times and you know i'm not gonna scream at him but i was was like oh that's not cool but um the thing i i love this story so much is because i'm sitting next to a gentleman with a american flag vest and a confederate flag belt Mm. Um, and as this comedian is talking about like millennials and how stupid we are and, sh- and safe spaces and how we're all pussies, the guy's like cheering on because we get so offended easily. And then the same comedian made a gun, uh, a gun, or maybe it's a different comedian, made a joke about, um, gun control. It was actually a pretty good joke. And the guy who was making call, basically, I took it as calling me a pussy for being offended by, uh, racism, bigotry, and sexism, got offended and started booing the gun control joke. Oh, it's crazy. No, it's just like, dude. I I don't know what, you know, it's very funny. I I don't really understand. First of all, I think if you're going to see a comedy show, you're going to see, you're going to hear things that you don't like. You're you're there to be challenged. And sometimes the comics say things that you don't like. And I know my perspective is different. And and I hear comedians say things that make me want to throw up all the time. And it's, but I I just, I choose to kind of go dead inside, you know, but I'm also yeah. a comic. So I, I, I sometimes a comic will say a joke that I don't care for, but I'll know them personally and I'll be like, Oh God, you know, like that's a, not a great joke, but to, I, I did a show once and the his comic Mike Racine, who is one of my, he's a friend of mine. He's one of my favorite comics. He told a joke about, it's actually a really funny joke. It's about, um, uh, there was, um, because there goes, they just caught this guy. They said he was like, you know, one of the, one of the, the, you know, one of the best, he was like, the, he was like the one of the world's most famous ped- pedophiles, one of the world's greatest pedophiles or something. And they said, well, really, he should have been, oh no, he was one, sorry, I just fucked up the joke. Um, they caught this guy and said he was the world's worst pedophile, the worst pedophile. And he goes, well, actually, he's the best pedophile because the worst <laughs> pedophile would have like, give out the worst candy. He would have his, the back of the truck, like the van wouldn't close, you know, the door wouldn't close. Like, it's a really funny joke, you know? And yeah, I'm, it's I'm, hilarious. But, um, cause he's clearly not saying I encourage the child molestation. Not it's not, but someone in the audience at my show booed and said, that's offensive. And people got very uptight and he was like, what? And, and he just said, like, like, I don't think child molestation is funny. And then he did that same joke on, on Conan the other night and it oh, killed. Wow. And it killed. And it's just, you never, you just have to have faith that not everyone's, what everyone, what one person sensitive about is going to offend everybody. It was like really interesting. You have to do this law of averages and see if like, if you tell a joke and like 10, 10% of the time people hate it, but 90% of the time people like it, you got to go with, you can't think about the few people that really hate it. Um, but that's hard to do. Uh, at the same time, you know, I, I personally don't like racist and sexist homophobic comics. That's not my taste. No, um, but I guess yeah. unless you can, if, unless you can bring me a new premise or go on a different take, uh, I guess that's something. But also, I think like, like I'm a Maria, I like Maria Banford. I like that world is more, the more niche comics or like, yeah, the, the, whatever, yeah. that's more my thing. So I was like, all right, that guy's also, the, the show I was on, but he's also working that room. So if he got up there and did like a Maria Banford set, he'd bomb. Cause it wasn't that crowd. 
exactly. So don't like that guy. No, <laughs> I mean, there's a, there's a comic for everybody, you know, and people bomb in rooms. Like, if you, like amazing comics will bomb in certain rooms. And that's how you think not, and no one kills everywhere, which is also very inspiring to watch. To watch someone wonderful bomb is very inspiring. It's not like, cause not out of schadenfreude, cause you want to see them bomb. Um, but because you just realize that like no one is perfect all the time. You know, and like you, like, you know that they're hilarious. It is accepted that this person's hilarious, and yet they couldn't ignite this shitty, shitty room. You know, it just, it just means that it just gives you this perspective on life. You know, like people have heard, like I, I, I once, um, people have, like all these famous comics drop it at open mics and they bomb all the time because it's like Judah Friedlander and Todd Barry and like they, because they're trying out new stuff, you know, and mm. that's what they're supposed to do. You know, they, they practice and practice and practice and, you know, and then they go on the road and they kill, you know, but it's, to watch them bomb is like incredible. It's like, cause it's like, wow, you're, it's really hard, you know? And, and, you know, and you also have that faith in them. Like, I'm like, I know you're bombing, even though you're hilarious. Like we all have faith that you're funny, but even though this joke isn't working, we all know how, how great you are. You know, yeah, it's yeah. very, it's very exciting. It is exciting. Uh, before we uh, kind of wrap it up, I wanted to ask you about uh, how awesome was it getting to talk to George Wallace? Oh my God. That was so Damn. much fun. <laughs> that was so much fun. He was so nice. He was shooting a movie with Morgan Freeman. I don't know what movie it was. So he was on set somewhere. He was such, he, that was like, I was, I got so, I, I loved him. This is what, I was a very strange child. I was, he was my favorite comic as like a child. So he just, he was just so funny. I see, cause he was, I mean, he's been doing comedy for a million years, but he was like all over the improv and I stay up late watching all these comedy shows. So he was really cool. He gave great answers to all my questions, um, about money and comedy and what is the value of a joke. Um, he was just a real cool customer, real cool character, real smart, you know, talked about, you know, he and Jerry Seinfeld are best buddies and how he ran. He talked about, about working in Las Vegas and how he ran his own show. He did his own ticketing, um, at the Flamingo for all these years. It was really interesting. He, he, he gave me a lot of story ideas in my head about what it's like to compete in Vegas, you know, how mm. it's just really interesting. He was just a real, a real, just, just like the coolest guy. I was, I was so, I just wanted to be like, I'll call you later, you know? But, uh, yeah, I, um, I don't know if he's read the article yet. I might email his manager and be like, did George read it? Did he like it? Um, what was that article for? Cause I, I read it and I don't remember the site, but I really liked that article. It reminded me of your first episode of spent. I was like, yes, I almost kind of saw the, like the thread. Yeah, it was, it was, that's the, the episode that kind of inspired it was me talking to Mark Norman. Um, it was for this, this website called Quartz. Um, it also ran on the Atlantic under the business section. So okay. Quartz is, Quartz is a business publication owned by the Atlantic and then the business vertical will run some of the copy. So I, I so like sort of that, yeah. like comedy and business stuff, like, which I guess, is this your brand? Like, do yes. you study branding? Is like, I keep, I used to always kind of make fun of it. And now I'm like, that's a, there's a bunch of people are always talking about it. I was like, I gotta do something about that. That's brilliant. Well, it's, you know, I, I, there's not a lot of people who do funny money stuff. And, and I, I think it's, it's very hard to make money funny because I struggle with it too. Um, but finding the sort of lighter side of finance, you know, like, you know, cause I, cause I don't can just, just being like, well, how much like, you know, when you see, so I don't know, like sometimes when you see like a, like a yoga studio and you see how expensive everything is, like, well, how much does it cost to do yoga? You know, like, yeah. like there's all these like, what? Like, like if you ever wonder to yourself about like, why is that so expensive? Like that, that, like why, like what is the difference between this and this? You know, 
there's something funny in that, you know, like calling something out. Like, I think it's just the angle that, that you take. I don't think people, I don't like laughing at people's personal problems. That's not funny. I also Sometimes. don't think, I don't think like, I don't like puns on the stock market. I don't care about that. It's just mostly like calling bullshit on things and just, and also being like, if you live in a shoebox in Brooklyn and you're paying like $1,300 a month, you know, like yeah, yeah. if you can't laugh at that, then I can't help you. It you seems know. very genuine, which I think is why your show is so great. Because it, well, it, it's you. not like you're just trying to capitalize off of it. Like you, ha- even just talking to you now, you actually just genuinely seem really interested in yeah. these things. Like I'd imagine this is what you would be talking about anyway. Yeah. Oh my god. Absolutely. I mean, I um, I have a friend who works at Market Watch, and we're always we always talk about stuff like that. Just about like like if the food at a restaurant's really expensive, just like. I'm just like, why is the food so expensive? This place is so shitty. It's like, well, it's probably the rent. It's probably this. It's probably that. Like, I, the money. It's not about like, because money is how it's it's the story behind everything. That's mm-hmm. that's the that's the world gossip. You know, is like why is like why is this here? Why is the store closing? Why why is these items placed here in this store? You know, there's a money story behind it because the company's pay to have these items put up front. You know, yep. it's, to know the money story is to know how things work, and that's what I'm interested in. You know. So it's it's yeah because you get to find the real the real juice behind things. It's it sounds silly, but it's it's I, I think it's, it's so, so much true. fun. It controls so many, like, It's funny whenever like go to a restaurant and it's packed. Like oh, the owner must be making a killing. Like and I, I've worked in like uh, I worked in like a kitchen for a short period. I was like, yeah, I mean it's packed, but you don't know how much like each plate going out is. You don't know their rent. You know how much they're paying the employees. Are they paying under the table? Uh, like the restaurant anything like that you just you don't know and I, I i agree with you i think i i like that stuff too like because i i feel like i go between like um planet money and then like wtf and i feel like spent is like perfect for me because it's uh-huh. like yes i like both of those things and this is actually funny and informative well thank you very much i yeah i mean do you have any ideas for future episodes things you want me to talk about let me know i'm trying to uh i'm yeah, always looking for I, new yeah. ideas yeah i mean I'm, i want to do some more stuff about marriage and relationships and money and kids and money and oh relationships and money that's a that's the number one lead to divorce of course it is you know i mean my husband yeah. and i don't don't share any money accounts that's probably why you guys are happy yeah well i don't know why we just were like people are like why don't you and i'm like why would we like we don't like i just everyone needs their and like well, why are you hiding something from him and i'm like i'm like not really I no, just wanna... hey, my wife and i have separate bedrooms and we just started that way and it's never changed and it's like oh, why do you that was so nice well, that, i okay i think it's separate bedrooms is so interesting i think because tim and i talk about that because i am he and i have the opposite sleep schedules always he yeah. goes to sleep early wakes up early i go to bed late i sleep a little bit later and and and, and, and i always wake him up he can't go back to sleep it's like terrible oh, so sometimes so, so sometimes i feel like we should have separate bedrooms but we should like meet but then we should have a middle bedroom and then we, we should have one bedroom for us to sleep and then we could go to our other bed we should have three bedrooms <laughs> like yeah, th- one for sharing and one for sleeping because yeah. it, just, it just it's so I just sleep so much better alone, you know. Yeah, like it's, it's and it has everything. nothing to has nothing to do with intimacy or love. I'm just I just have I'm just a bad sleeper. I'm a slob, so I have like one room in my apartment. I got I live in Providence, which is great and cheaper. So it's like I have a very large apartment that's way too affordable than for that's a great. great scenario, man. Yeah, so it's like, what we just moved from. I had the best living situation for like I was paying. $600 to live in the hipster neighborhood in Providence because I was the property manager of the building. Oh, wow. I, I, I got booted out of there so I had to pay like adult prices, but I was doing that for like, I was paying cheap rent for five years living in like what would be um, the Williamsburg. It, it was amazing. Uh, but so that's how it started. And it's like, I had different work schedule and like I have sleep apnea. And now I'm just like, why would I ever give this up? It's like, I have my compute, my laptop in here and my Simpsons and all my nerd stuff on my walls and, 
Yeah, I mean, it's, just, it's hey, everyone should. But then I just love people like outside that you don't really know. Once they find that out, like start to judge you, like with the money thing. It's like, why do you care about my life? Right. <laughs> we don't even know each other. We don't. We don't know each other. You don't. No one knows. So some people's husbands have their wives on an allowance. Some people's wives have their husbands oh, on an allowance. God. Some people they sh- you know some people the husband just sleeps on the couch. Like you don't have to. At least you have, if you have two separate bedrooms, that means you guys are like living it. You guys you know the best way to live. Some of these houses they would ne- people would never have the courage to have a second bedroom. They would just someone would just suffer on the couch just to keep up appearances. Oh God, I, I always joke. We my wife and I both always joke that we. We're so happy being single. So I think that's kind of why we work. So it was like we never got married because it's like, oh, we got to get married. It was like, all right, this is I love being single and I would be it forever. But you're the one person who's changed my mind. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, for sure. I mean, everyone, everyone is so secretly insane. Like I just secret single behavior. So you get to learn when you move in together. It's so funny. Yeah. Oh, so women do poop. I guess. Yeah. I guess growing up, they taught us wrong. Of course, and when and people people's relationships seem very normal, and people pre- present normally. But when you get to know people and so, you drink so with your guess. good friends, they tell you that they're, they're, oh, they're, just, they're just as fucked up as everyone else. If anything, I know. There's always it's and it's and it makes me feel better because you know you know yeah. again like like Tim, my husband has been gets up at five thirty in the morning. I don't know why, and he is like under the weather right now. He's in bed sleeping. He, he fell asleep at at, at eight thirty. I'm gonna be up <laughs> probably until I don't even until probably one thirty. Knowing me, I'm gonna keep working. So and then we like we you know but but that's how we operate. It's like just we're, we're two different people. You know, and with our money, like my husband work, you know, he's just very thrifty. He doesn't need a lot of stuff. He's, he, he cooks. He, you know, I have a much more out there life. I'm going out. I take cabs. I meet people for dinner. Like I spend a lot more money than he does. So he's like, he would be appalled if he saw my, my credit card, you know? I mean, I'm does on he top have of a stable it. job, like a, a normal person job? He does. So we, he and I take turns going freelance. So, um, cause we're both writers. Oh, no so, way. That's awesome. Yeah, so he works for um, this great site called uh, The Wire Cutter, um, and there's another site called The Sweet Home, and it's like it's a really great product review site. It's like a very, it's like a very updated consumer reports. Um, and he's a wonderful writer. He's written for a bunch of great places. Just you know, shout out to him. But uh, we, yeah, we just you know, it was we. He and I take turns, and in terms of couples and finances, he was freelance for three years, and I held out healthy insurance and the higher paying job, and I was the responsible one, and then. It was my turn to go freelance and follow my dream, and so now he has the full time job. So that's so sweet. Yeah, it, it's it's good, and hopefully, I you know, and the goal is uh, hopefully in the next year I can make enough money so I could you know say like, don't make me go back to work. <laughs> is a reality show of you two? You guys coming out now? That oh, yeah. would be it. Oh Except there's probably not enough conflict to make it interesting. Like, it's not. He and I Tim's asleep along. again. Lindsay's going to go right. Right. Yeah. T- t- Tim, Tim is watching a nature show and <laughs> Lindsay is, uh, is, is, is tweeting about the election. It's like, yeah, it's not that. Do, are women surprised how much men love documentaries? Because I feel like, I know it's such a shitty stereotype, but I feel like my wife was like, seriously, this is what you want. If you look at like, our Netflix cues, like hers is so much more uh sci-fi and stuff and and i like a lot of like the superhero shows too but like if i'm by myself it's like find me the most darkest depressing documentary i could find it's very funny that you say that because i i do love documentaries but like very 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 much however my husband is obsessed with this one documentary called the fog of war which is an incredible errol morris documentary about robert mcnamara in vietnam and i will come home and tim will just have it on and i'm like you're watching this again 
it's so <laughs> depressing. It's it's like yeah. nightmarishly depressing. It's but I don't know. I mean, I I love a good documentary, but um, Tim likes. We don't have a lot of TV viewing. How I'm, I can binge watch things. I can. I I have a, an amazing attention span. I can sit and watch and watch and watch and watch. And Tim, Tim has to get up and do stuff. Yeah, it's so, me. So so Tim doesn't watch a lot of television. He he watches like a lot. He watches like. He, you know, he watches football, he watches nature shows, he watches, he watches everything, but he can't release, he wouldn't, he's not a movie person. Yeah, me he's either. Like, so I'm trying to get him to like, so it's hard to find a show that we both like. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, we, so we, we both got like Stranger Things, that's exciting. Yeah, I, I love I, that show. And we got, uh, we, I, I made him watch Game of Thrones with me and now we watch that together. Um, but yeah, it's just, I mean, Silicon, Silicon Valley, I loved it. And I got oh him my watching God, it. I love that show. But he's not like into. He doesn't get caught up in fiction narratives in the way that I do. Yeah. Did you do you watch Veep? I feel like that would be up your alley. I do watch Veep. I, I'm yeah. way behind in it. I, I what I've seen, I've loved. I also the movie that it was sort of based on, um, which in, in the Loop. Have you ever seen that? No, the the British one. Yeah. No, in I've heard lo- about it. Oh my god, it, it's one of the best movies. I it's one of the best movies ever. Oh, um, fun. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's definitely on Netflix. Um, oh, okay, and cool. and yeah. it has a lot of the same cast. Like it was literally oh, cool. like cast out of that. Oh, I can't um, wait. It's so good. It like blew my mind. In fact, I just made a list of my hundred favorite movies for somebody, and I didn't put that on there. And I'm, I'm mad at myself. I, I think as the criticism of this year of season of Veep, which was near perfection in my mind, was that uh, the 2016 election is so batshit crazy. It made fiction not look as crazy as it should be. It's just, like it, it, it couldn't compare. Like it's still very good, but it wasn't. It didn't have that same like this could never happen. It was just like that's it. <laughs> but it was still very good. But I thought that was pretty great. Well, thank you so much for taking all the time to talk to me. I really appreciate it. Oh yeah, oh, god, I just kept chatting. Sorry. Uh, no, yeah, so it's where, fine. Where could people find you online? You can find me um, at uh, on Twitter at Lindsay Goldwert. Uh, it's L I N D S A Y G O L D W E R T. Uh, you can also find me at spentpodcast.com, and you can learn all about me and have all the episodes there. And you can listen to the podcast on uh, any of your any of your podcatchers. And, uh, and thank you so much. Oh yeah, thanks for coming back. This is so much fun, and uh, keep up the great work. You got it. And thank you. To, yeah, thank you for having me back. I really appreciate it.